What's up, 1115? How you doing? You good? Come on, man. The 930 service doing better than y'all. Y'all slept in a little bit. Come on, make some noise for Jesus. Be grateful to be in the house of God, man. God is doing something special in our church, and um, um, I believe I have a word today that's going to encourage you, and this is a big deal today that I actually have a word to encourage you, because my wife went out of town. Uh, she'd been in Florida for four days, so I've been with the kids for four straight days. <laughs> like, and, and some, some uh, a dad, he's from Nigeria, his wife is in Nigeria, and he says, my wife left me for two weeks. I said, oh my God. Like, I felt like... Like, four days. And, like, low, my kids ate, man. Made sure they had, like, a vegetable. And, like, I was trying to feed them healthy. And, like, I feel like I crushed it. Like, I really did, man. I'm, like, working on my sermon last night. And I was like, wait a second. Have they showered? <laughs> and I was like, I don't really, I don't think they have. Like, two sports, football. I'm like, y'all get in the shower before your mom comes home, man. Like, and if you're, like, other husbands who, like, uh, like your wife comes home, like you clean up like right before they come in the door to act like you've been living that way the whole time. So I'm like, I'm, everybody's like putting stuff away, man. But we made it, man. We, we were late to church. We was late to church. Like literally the service starts at 930. We just pulled up at 945. So if you're late for church, I get it, man. It's, but praise God, man. My wife is coming back right now and um, she's coming to save our family. So like, I've never felt so, like, anybody a single mom, like, if you said you had to be a stay-at-home parent or you had to go work in a funeral home, I'm like, where the dead bodies at, man? Where the, like, I can't. Like, I don't know how y'all stay-at-home moms. Anybody stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads, anybody? Yeah, ain't nobody clapping for Y'all better clap for them. It's the hardest job ever. Kids eat different stuff. I'm like, Jesus. And my wife is so good with them. She has them eating things that I don't know how to make. I told my son, what do you want for breakfast? Crepes. Excuse me? <laughs> crepes. I'm like, when I was a kid, I didn't eat no crepes. I had just regular, it wasn't even Cheerios. It was Toastios. Anybody broke? I had the Toastios. My son said, crepes and Nutella. I'm like, what is going, he was sitting there eating crepes. And guess what? He went in the refrigerator and his mom had made him crepes in advance. And he has crepes and Nutella for breakfast. I'm like, man, it must be nice, man. <laughs> so we made it. We're alive. That's my whole goal, just the kids are alive. Not even like they're well taken care of. She said, how's it go? I'm like, everybody's alive. That's what I told my wife. So she comes back right now. So praise God for that. Amazing. Um, I'm going to tell you the title of this sermon before I even tell you the scripture, because I think it's going to bless you. It's something I've been processing, and it's something that I think that um, there. Preparation and study is a part of preaching. Prayer is a big part of preaching. A big part of preaching is also pastoring, where you're actually talking to people who are experiencing certain things, and then you search God's word for the answer to their questions. I think that's really what I try to do. And I, I think as a pastor, if I can get, if I hang out in green rooms, I don't talk to anybody, I can get so far removed that what I'm sharing is not helpful because I don't talk to people who are struggling with something. And I really want to prove in this church that the word of God can answer all of your questions. Because faith is not the absence of questions. Faith is where you get the answer to your questions. You get it from God. You get it from his presence. And so I want to preach a message called The Blessing and the Curse of Clarity. The Blessing and the Curse of, of Clarity. Listen, 
Clarity can both be a blessing or a curse. And here's my prayer. My prayer for you today is that some of you need to be healed, not from sickness alone. I hope you get healed from sickness. Not just from uh, uh, healed from anxiety. Some of you need to be healed from how? How? H-O-W, how? When God gives you a plan, God gives you a destiny, and, and you say, how? How? Think about it. Asking God how, if we're not careful, can sometimes be sin. If God tells you, I'm going to do it, I'm going to show up, and you go, how? Sometimes you're, you're asking for clarity is because of your absence of, of faith. Clarity isn't always bad, but when done apart from faith, it can actually be a curse, and God has designed clarity to be a blessing. In John chapter 20, verses 19, 19 through 29, Jesus has died on the cross. He is resurrected. And he, this tells the story after Jesus was resurrected. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews who wanted to kill them because they were following Jesus. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. So just give you the picture. The door was locked. Jesus didn't knock on the door. He just appeared and said, peace be with you. First thing he tried to do was give them peace because they were terrified. When he had said this, they showed, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The reason why he showed them his hands is because the nails had gone in his hands. The soldiers had pierced his side on the cross. And so although Jesus uh, was resurrected from the dead, uh, it, what's interesting is that he, he made a comeback. He was resurrected, but God, uh, he still had the scars to show what he had been through. See, we're not supposed to have, walk around wounded, but we do walk around with scars. We're not supposed to walk around with open wounds of heartbreak, open wounds of depression, but sometimes God will heal you, and I believe what can make people believe is you can show them what you've been through, and you don't have the wounds anymore, but you still have the scars. Anybody with some scars in here from what they've, they've been through? That This is what Jesus is, is, is showing them, and it says, when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, my brother Tommy, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So I gotta give you this context. Thomas was one of the disciples. He wasn't there when Jesus showed up. And so the disciples were in Jesus' presence. Jesus did something, appeared to them, and then the disciples tried to go back and tell Thomas what the Lord was doing. And this is what uh, Thomas' response was in verse 25. We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the, into the mark of, his, uh, of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Never. God ever tell you something that he's going to do something in your life and then you go, unless I see it, I will never believe. I know you called me to the entertainment, but unless I book multiple auditions in a row, how am I supposed to believe? I know you said I'm going to have a kid, but unless I get pregnant the first time trying, I know you said I'm going to get married, but unless this date goes well, come on, somebody. Like, like, unless I see it, I will not believe. So, Jesus, if you want me to believe you, you need to show me something to believe in. Your words are not enough. What does the Bible say? Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word. So when you have faith, you have faith through the word. If you have 
if you need anything else other than what God said to believe, that is not faith, that is convincing. Does that make sense? So Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless somebody got to show me something. Now, eight days later, now, now catch it, Jesus wasn't there when Thomas said this. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them, although the doors were locked. So locked doors don't stop Jesus two times in this passage of Scripture. And you think a locked door and a human closing a door and trying to keep you out of what God has for you is going to stop you? Jesus... We always say that I'm praying for you for open doors. And I love that prayer. But sometimes we can pray for open doors and we don't understand it don't matter that the door is locked. Nobody has to open it. Jesus can walk behind a locked door and open it from the inside. See, when we're praying for open doors, be careful we're not praying for humans to open those doors. We are praying for God himself to go behind a locked door so let me tell you, this has nothing to do with my message, but it doesn't matter if a door is locked if Christ wants to get in. Both situations, the door was locked. And he goes, peace be with you. So there has some serious problems. They, they, there are threats on their lives, and Jesus didn't come in and go, I stopped the threat, you're good. He said, peace. I want y'all to have some peace. And then he turns to Thomas and says, come on, brother Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Thomas is back, y'all. He's back. You showed me, I'm back. I want you to catch this, that Jesus overheard in the spiritual realm Thomas's doubt and Thomas literally said, unless you show me, I will not believe. And you know what Jesus did? He showed up and he showed him. I won't believe unless you bless me. Okay, go ahead, I'll bless you. And what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. Any of us like that? I know I am. When things ain't going your way, God, where are you? He shows up, you get the promotion. My Lord, my God. Come on, anybody go on a date and say, my Lord, my God. Come on, anybody who been in a drought, make some noise. You've been in a dating drought and somebody finally DM you. You don't even know if they're a Christian. You just say, my Lord, my God. At this point, even, even salty water will quench my thirst. Sprite says to obey my thirst. I'm feeling real thirsty. Come on, anybody post a thirst trap on Instagram? Come on, somebody. It's a drought. I, if you're in a drought, man, I'm not here to judge you. Man, them droughts is real. When you go a long time, and then God finally does something, then you, my Lord, my God. Come on, when ain't nobody coming to church, back to church after the pandemic, pastors were so discouraged, they start trying to shame people coming back to church. And then when the church was filled on Easter, so many pastors, my Lord, my God. We love you, Lord. He was blessed because he got some clarity. And Jesus checked him. Verse 29 says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believed. So he is saying, you think you're blessed because I gave you clarity. But let me tell you the real blessed people. The real blessed people are the people who don't need that. But they believed because I, I said it. Man, I, I, I'm in this season, man, where 
I feel like my faith is under attack. You know my faith is under attack? Because I need more clarity today than I used to. And whenever you need more clarity, trust is down. Trust is down. We need more clarity with things of God than we need for our, our sinful friends. God tells you he's going to bless your career and you go high. Somebody says, you want to go to Vegas this weekend? Let's roll. Where are we staying? I don't know. Y'all in the car talking about the Stardust got some rooms for $79. You ain't, you ain't need no clarity at all. You don't even have a bag. And you just out there, come on, anybody go to the club this week? You didn't have no clarity when you went to the club. Y'all drove down sunset, sunset and was like, that place looks like it's popping. And get out of the car. Anybody used to do that? Oh, I guess this is the oversave service. Because back in the day, we used to just drive down sunset. And when the club looked like it was cracking and there was a line outside, pull over, pull over. We go with the homies with no clarity. Come on, you know when somebody you trust, let's go get something to eat. Anybody been in a car and you already driving to get something to eat, you don't know where you're going? We don't do that with strangers. We, 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 we actually live our lives by faith more than we think. But when it comes to God, we want God to give us clarity. Anybody been on a plane recently? You let somebody take you 30,000 feet in the air and you didn't check to see if they had their pilot's license? I want you to think about that. Do you know if they have a pilot's license or not? No, you just get your little carry-on, just living your life by faith. You don't know who's behind that. There could be some 12-year-old. You don't know. And then you get on a plane that they haven't cleaned over a million miles. You get your little bag of pretzels, and two or three pretzels fall out on that nasty tray. Ain't nobody wash. And you talk about five-second rule, eat the pretzels, just all nasty. Just living your life by faith. You don't know what's on them trays. You don't know if that pilot is on there. But you live your life by faith. I, I, my pastor, my pastor Philip, that man lives his life by faith. We went to Africa one time, and this man got on a crop duster over the, the wilderness with lions. This plane had a propeller in the front that the man, I'm not lying to you, the man tried to start it from the inside of the plane. He got outside of the plane, and he spun the propeller in the front like this. He went, whoosh. I said, we, Pastor Philip turned from my pastor to this white man trying to kill me. He's trying to kill me. He is trying to kill me. We flew up into the air and Pastor Philip fell asleep. He fell asleep and I was terrified. And I'm like, why are you asleep? He says, oh, I've done this a hundred times. But because it was my first time, I was afraid. And it, because he had done it a hundred times, he wasn't. He, he had faith in the process. He had done it before. And, and let me make this clear. Had you got on a plane and everybody got off because they thought it was going to crash and you stayed on by yourself? That's faith. Sometimes we live by faith because that's what everybody else is doing. So if it's good for them, it's, it's good for me. And sometimes God will ask you to do something that no one has ever done and he needs you to believe. And he wants you to not need any clarity other than his word. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. He's going to do it. it this is happening. This is happening. But the question is whether or not we live our lives by faith in the process. And if we don't, clarity can become a curse. Hebrews 11 verses 8 through 10 say this about Abraham. By faith. Somebody say, by faith. by faith. 
When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He didn't know how it was going to happen. Think about when the angel Gabriel in Luke chapter 1 came to a priest by the name of Zechariah and said, your prayers have been answered, you will have a son. Zechariah said, how? The angel said, because you did not believe, your mouth will be shut until the promise, let me shut you up so your negative self-talk doesn't undo the prophecy. One chapter later, same angel shows up to Mary and says, you're going to have a son and you got to name him Jesus. Mary said, how? And he said, the Holy Spirit will come and overshadow you. And she said, blessed be to me as you have said. And, and I always wondered, Lord, why you shut the brother's mouth, man, and let the girl keep talking? You both, the same angel told both of them they would get pregnant. One man said how, one woman said how. The man got his mouth shut, and the woman just got, got her question answered. She, he, get, he gave her the clarity. You know what the difference was? The angel showed up to the man and said, your prayers have been answered. You will have a son. Mary wasn't praying to have a baby as a virgin. Zechariah was a priest, a man of God, praying, Lord, please have a son. And you had me open up the heavens and send you an angel, and you have the audacity to ask me how? You need more clarity? One of them was a mature priest. The other one was a 14-year-old girl, which shows us that sometimes God has us in seasons of maturity where he wants us to do something without the clarity he used to give us when we were younger. Anybody where God just made it clear, you get all kind of, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I want you to go here, I want you to go here, and then this is going to happen, and then Bob's going to bless you, and then Bob, and then somebody says, hi, my name is Bob, you're the one that the Lord told me was going to bless me. And you just have so much clarity, and now God just goes, go. Where? Go. That's what he told Abraham, go. To where? Go. And Abraham packed up his bags and left and was told as he took the step, he was told what would be next after the first step. See, the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. So when you're working on your character, God will test you by not giving you a staircase of a plan, but a step. Just do the very next thing I ask you to do. And if we're not careful, we stop and say, Lord, I'm not moving forward even though I know what you're doing is good until you give me more clarity. And that clarity is a curse. Too many people pray for clarity, not faith. Like this, Lord, just tell, tell me what you're gonna do. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. No, sometimes you just need to go. And sometimes you just need to stay. I think we need to be more comfortable with, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. One of the things about where my anxiety comes from is when I feel like I have to have all the answers. God has the answers. If I follow him, we're going to end somewhere good. And I want to encourage somebody today that is needing more details, more, more clarity to move forward. Just take whatever the next step you can and believe God. It is so powerful that we just believe God, and God needs some believers that when you get to where God has for you, the whole world is confused on how you got there. Now, I want to give you a few options because this is important. There's confusion, 
there's clarity and then there's faith. The enemy wants you to think there's only clarity or confusion. That if you're not clear, you have to be confused. No, if you're not clear, you can just believe. I don't know, I'm not clear, but I know my God is good. I don't know, I'm not clear, but I know I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be faithful. I don't know, I'm not gonna quit, I'm not gonna give up. I don't know, what do you do when you don't know the answer? I know what I'm not doing. Sometimes you don't know what to do, you need to know what you're not doing. I don't know what to do about this situation, but I know what I'm not doing, I ain't gonna quit. I don't know what I'm gonna do about how I'm gonna have a baby, but I know what I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna stop praying. I don't know what I'm gonna do about my financial situation, but I know what I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna stop being generous. I don't know what I'm gonna do about this career God's called me to, but I know what I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna be afraid. Sometimes what you're not going to do is your clarity. Come on, somebody, I know what I ain't doing. I'm not gonna run. I'm not gonna say things like God told me to lay this down when you're quitting. God ain't told you to lay it down. Anybody said that recently? I wanna hear somebody say that when they're successful. God told me to lay this down. But some of us say God told me to lay it down when deep down we're just discouraged and we're tired of pursuing something without clarity. So we go, God told me to lay it down. And then we come to church and we, 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 we serve and we pray and we, we just give up on what God spoke to us. And I understand there's dynamics to this that may change for people, but do you hear my heart and what I'm saying? Some of us, we just are addicted to clarity and we need to live by faith. We need to live by, by faith. I think the number one thing that we need to be clear on as a church is God's word. God's word is kind of up for grabs in our culture right now where uh, uh, we want to follow part of the Bible and not this part of the Bible. Come on, like we, we love, uh, come on, come on, Mary, can we love the part of the Bible where it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Well, we don't like the sex before marriage part. Like, what are you talking about, Lord? I'm 30, you want me to wait? Are you crazy? I don't think I could do that, but I, I love this part. I love this part, and if we're not careful, we weigh the, the Word of God like a menu where we're like, I want grace, hold obedience. And, and we start choosing, picking and choosing, and that is the number one thing that leads to confusion, is when we start choosing parts of the Bible that we wanna believe and parts that we don't. Now, there are parts of the Bible that are really hard to believe, and I think that if we're not careful, our pastors beat up the community on certain parts of the Bible that are hard to believe and they beat up culture. I'm not one of those pastors that wants to scream and yell and tell culture what they're doing wrong. Lord, I'm trying to get the log out of my own eye so I can see clearly on how to help you. I know I'm, anybody else struggling? So if you use the Bible to try to, to condemn and convict other people more than you use it to convict for your own conviction, you're out of order. You're out of order, but this is important that we don't, we don't look at the scripture and go, is there another way around this? Does that make sense? We have to be clear on what God has said. Why? When you are clear on what God has said, the Bible, you will become more clear on what God is saying, prophecy. And God doesn't do anything without prophecy. The Bible says in Amos 3, 7, the sovereign Lord doesn't do anything without revealing it to his servants, the prophets. The very first thing that God does before he does something is he says something. You have got to understand this. He will give you a word or he'll give somebody else a word. 
We let people call us out of our names and we, we accept it. And then someone gives us a prophecy, we reject it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Before God does it, he will say it. And you will struggle to believe what God is saying in the moment if you don't know what he said in his word. So you gotta know the word of God. Why do you think there's so much anxiety? Because we don't believe. Man, when I operate in my own thinking and my own desires and even the pursuit of the dreams that I have, I am so anxious. I didn't even realize I was anxious. I'm anxious because I'm trying to solve a problem that is not a problem. Do you know faith creates problems? In the same way unbelief does? If you don't believe, you have a problem. If you believe, you have a problem. <laughs> but faith has gotten me so many problems. But the things that I do by faith, the problems that that creates, God helps me solve. The things that, the problems that I create with unbelief, the devil helps me solve. Oh, you ain't got no money? I'll help you get some money. The devil loves to roll up on you when you're not believing. Oh, oh what, what's, what's the problem? You, you broke? You ain't got no money? I'll tell you how to get some money. Come on, let's go. Let's get the bag. Let's get the bag. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You don't need to listen to God. You know, you're called to wealth. You can do it on your own strength. He will help you do that. Uh, what do you say to Adam and Eve? Oh, you want to be like God? Let's do it this way. So unbelief creates a problem that the devil will help you solve. Faith creates a problem that God helps you solve. Either way, you got a problem. But I want divine problems, not demonic ones. Divine problems are how God shapes believers' character to prepare them for all that he has for them. I mean all. Would you put a gallon of chicken noodle soup in a tiny little Tupperware bowl? No, it doesn't fit. So God has to grow you so where he wants to pour into your life, it fits. And he uses circumstances to stretch you and expand your capacity. If, if we cannot believe for 100,000 people to come to church next Sunday, I would be a fool if I said, hey, I want, I'm believing for 100,000 people to come to church next Sunday. Some of you would go, that's awesome. But it's not. This building doesn't have the capacity for 100,000 people. So 100,000 people is a problem because the building doesn't have the capacity. I first need to figure out how do I have the capacity for 100,000 people. So some of y'all are praying for 100 million and your spirit and your soul don't have the capacity for 100 million. You have a capacity for $1,000. That's why that's what you got. But Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe. No, no, no. Expand my capacity. Does your generosity have the capacity? to have that kind of an influence and wealth? I don't, even if it's money, if it's money, like don't say when I get it. No, you know you won't. You don't, you're not generous with what you have. And some of y'all, the Bible says wisdom is an act of generosity. And one of the things that I know when people are no longer being generous with their wisdom is wise people are always telling people you should know. You should know better. No, you, no I'm, I'm the wise one. You can be stupid around me and I'll just be generous with my wisdom. God gives us permission to be stupid around him. That's why he calls us sheep. Are sheep smart? No. Shepherd, sheep. So when we say the sheep hears his voice, that's not intelligence. That's relationship. So I'm close to the person with the wisdom. So I'm, I'm good. This is so important that we, we understand this because if we don't, 
then we think that we need something else besides a word from God. So I'm gonna give you four ways to expand your Bible-based, spirit-filled clarity. Are you ready? Number one, I just talked about it, the word of God, the word of God. The Bible says that the word is powerful and active, able to divide soul and spirit. That's where it says in Hebrews 4.12. So just to give you a visual, so let's say this is your soul on the left side of the stage, and this is your spirit on the right side of the stage. That's where you want it. There are certain decisions that you can make in your spirit that you would never make in your soul. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, the way that you think, your will, your decision-making, and your emotions, how you feel. So let's say you're believing to get married. Your soul is attracted to someone that your spirit would reject. Are you following? It's never the same person. Your spirit would pursue a career path that your soul would reject. Your soul doesn't lift their hands in worship, but your spirit is crying with your arms lifted wide saying, hallelujah, Lord, you are my God and my Savior. Your, your, your soul uh, feels doesn't want to forgive this person or let that thing go, and your spirit says, man, God has forgiven me of all my sins, so I forgive you of all Yours, And so when the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is powerful, able to divide soul and spirit, this would suggest without the word of God, our soul, our thoughts, our decision-making, and our emotions are tied up in our spirit and mixed to where we don't know the difference between what is God and what is me. You ever have a decision in front of you and you're like, man, I feel like the Lord's telling me to do this and I don't know whether that's God or whether that's me. I'm not sure. The word of God is able to divide soul and spirit. So one of the things you can have is a spiritual habit every day. Is even if it's five minutes, I'm not talking about read 100 chapters. I'm not a big fan of reading the Bible in a year. Because if you got no revelation, who cares? It's not a book. So I don't care that you blasted through Genesis to Revelation, and we do that. We, I read the Bible in six months. Did you get anything out of it? Because I'd rather you read the Bible for five minutes every day. Why? Because if you read the Bible at 7 a.m., and your soul and your spirit is separated, then you might get an opportunity at 10 a.m., that only your spirit can bring fruit from. And it needs to be divided to where that you know. Because you need to be able to, at 10 a.m., to say yes to something that only your spirit would say no to, say yes to. You need to have that separated. Your soul needs it. And that doesn't mean you're not mindful of your emotions, but you don't make decisions because of your emotions. You are mindful of them. You steward your emotions well. The Bible says the word of God does this. And the more that we read the word, the more that we meditate on the word, the more that we think about what God has to say, the more that we are ready to make really difficult decisions. Because how many of us know that God blesses us with something and then we get in the middle of it and it's 10 times harder than we thought it was and it takes 10 times longer than we thought it would. Anybody ever experienced that? And now you need patience. Anybody want to do a Bible study on patience? 
not me. Who raised their hand? I, I want it now. But God's like, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. And so you need the, the, the word of God because guess what? Real faith is faith for the L, not just the win. If I take an L in this, I was obedient. I don't know what the outcome is, but I know this is what God is telling me to do, so I'm going to move forward with faith, and if I lose, I lose. I'll get back up. The, man's, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times but gets back up all seven. So if I catch an L, I'll get back up. The victory will be mine. I will not quit. I will not give up. If I have to get myself up off the ground, then so be it. Because when you want to be clear on a plan, then you are clear on the word of God, your clarity can be a curse. Listen to Psalm 119, verses 12 through 20. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I've recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I've rejoiced in your laws as much um, as in, in riches. I will study your commandments and I will reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Listen to this verse. Be good to your servant that I may live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truth. This person is asking for clarity about God's word. And let's say like you have a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old that isn't clear on something. We're not telling them to seek God's word for the clarity that they need. We're telling them to seek other things. Seek this and seek that. And I get that. But kids who are growing up in poor communities, stats have shown 60% of them think that they're going to be um, a, a rapper or a professional athlete. Why? Because these are the only people that they know that have made it out. And so they're seeking for clarity on how to get out of this situation. And we don't tell youth anymore to turn to the word of God. We actually are worried that if, I, if you bring a young person in here, our propensity is to be worried I might preach a word that they might not understand. But this is so important that we're more clear on the word of God then these other plans, because right now, it's getting pretty confusing. Can I just be real? It's getting pretty confusing. In the state of California, R. Kelly's in jail right now. Say, keep it real, Pastor. R. Kelly's in jail right now, and one of the reasons R. Kelly's in jail is because he did things with a minor that a minor is not in the position to make that choice. So he used manipulation to get them to agree to something and in California, under 18 is called below the age of consent. You cannot, as an 18-year-old, consent to have a sexual act with a 25-year-old. You can't do that because you are too young to be able to consent. So you're too young. But yet we're fighting for kids to be able to just change their gender at 12. But I thought they were too young to be able to make that choice. So if I was R. Kelly, I'd be like, y'all got to let me out. Because if they're old enough to make that choice, how are they not old enough to make that choice? Because one of those things has to be the truth. Either they're old enough or they're not. And I'm not here to tell you which one it is, but confusion is for this situation, it's this. But for that situation, it's this. And there's no truth. And so now I'm confused. And so pastors don't need to tell you which one it is, but there has to be a through line. So for this situation, I have faith, but for this situation, I need to do it by myself and, and, and team no sleep and let me stay up all night. And we feel guilty for, so I'm saying the word of God has to shape that. And so this is important. We understand this. In this context, in this room, I would say that. On Instagram, I wouldn't. 
I can't stand pastors who post truth on Instagram. It lets me know they don't care about who they're talking to. Because it's all revelation oriented. So I had that revelation. So what happens is, pastors, this is what we do in our own sinful nature. In our own sinful nature, we want other people to obey the word more than we do. So we will fight for the gay community not to get married. Meanwhile, pastor such and such is on his third marriage. When the Bible says you can't do that either. But we found a way around that for us. But for them, the word, the word, the word. But for me, grace, grace, grace. Grace. I love my pastor friends, man. But everywhere I go with a pastor, they, they, they drinking whiskey and smoking cigars. Can I be real? That's a cultural thing. White people from the South drink whiskey and smoke cigars. But if I came through with a black and mild in my ear, Come on, come on, San Bernardino. Come on, come on, South LA. What's the difference? Yours comes from a fancy shop, mine from 7-Eleven. Either way. Me and there banging a pack of Newports on my palm. Where the lighter at? This is big facts. This ain't little facts. This is big facts. You on your third your, with your third, fourth whiskey. I'm watching you. But if I show up where the weed at, I'm a sinner. Why? Because weed is cultural. And so weed, we don't do that in our culture, so that's against the Bible. But since it's a part of our culture, we found a way around it. Oh, man, listen. Listen. We found a way around it. So we're trying to tell the gay community how to live. We know we ain't living. Meanwhile, pastors are falling with their secretaries every week. And then you get shipped off to another church and you get paid full salary and then they restore you. That's what we're doing. When the Bible would suggest you can never pastor again if you slept with your congregation member. Throw them out. Throw them out. What am I saying? Be careful when you study the word because your temptation is you want other people to follow what you've studied. Don't become a scholar on sexuality because you want other people to do it. And you hurt people. If the Bible is a sword, you can help someone or hurt someone. It's a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. So we read the word seeking for our, this is, if you get this, because to be honest, I don't like preaching on subjects like this because hyper-conservative people go, you tell them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have to live this way so that when we step into darkness, darkness is lit up. We don't have to preach. We turn the lights on. And now that person could see things that they couldn't see before, and I don't have to say anything because I'm a light. Lights don't talk. They shine. So if God has called you to the entertainment, he do not let Christians, oh my God, I got to take a side thing. You know what really made me mad? When, God, when, when Christians were coming after Maverick City, y'all, y'all won that Grammy and y'all didn't walk out when Sam Smith got up there with that devil and y'all didn't walk out. No, they were, they were, they were shining. And because you was at home in your church in Mississippi, you trying to tell somebody what to do with the Grammy? 
They were shining. Do you tell a light bulb to walk out of a dark room? <laughs> Why are you in there in all that darkness? If you were real light, you would go with the rest of the lights. No, God has not called Christians to be lamps plus. The Bible says to be a light in the darkness. I gotta leave my job, it's just so dark. No duh, dummy, you're a light to the world. Of course it's dark. I gotta rip my kids out of school. They they're trying to come and steal my kids. Come on, man. Now there's part of that that's wisdom, but teach your kids to be a light. And I've seen homes destroy more kids than schools ever will. A home life will tear your kids up. You homeschooling your kids because you worry about what the school is teaching them and you cuss them out when they make a mistake. Or you're hard on them. Or you don't affirm them. Are we, hey, we gonna talk about it? We gonna talk about it? The, the, Jesus says, and the, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know what that word know means? It's an it's a intimate sexual term. It, it means to be intimate. So it means, and you shall be intimate with the truth. Not be told. You will be intimate with the truth. So my prayer is not that anyone tells you the truth. My, my prayer is that you hear the truth and you go home and you be intimate with the truth and you don't take my word for it. Never take a pastor's word for it because they say they're a pastor. Take that home and be intimate with it and get personal revelation, not positional authority. You have to believe it because I said it. If a pastor tells you to tithe, go search the scriptures and see if the Bible tells you to tithe. Don't just do it because they said to do it. Because many pastors are preaching tithing because they saw the offering amount the week before and they're not trying to instill faith. They're trying to get rid of their fear. I've done it. That's how I know we do it. You got to live your life by faith. Come on now. Tithe. Give to the church. You got the tithe. You got the tithe. No one I just saw the offering report and it was low. And it's a response to fear. I got to really not care if you give or not. I have to really want what's best for you at the expense of me. Even if it costs me everything and I get nothing and you get everything, God tells me when I get to heaven, well done, Julian. They got everything. They got everything that I, that I have. So if you heard something that's the truth in this service that culture has not told you, you don't go spout it on Instagram. Nobody posts this. We don't post this clip. We don't tell the word what we heard in church. What do we do? We go home and we're intimate with what I said. And we go search the scriptures and we become intimate. And we say, Lord, is there anything you want to change about my perspective on this? You don't go spout this to people who don't believe. Does that make sense? Because we, we have this burning desire to give other people clarity. And then that clarity becomes a curse to them. Is this helpful to anybody? I had to go on that tangent real quick because somebody in here, they need it. They need it. So I'm going to invite the team to come up because I went over time. But that's okay. This blessed somebody today. This ble I know it did. I know it did. I know it did. And um, I said some other thoughts 
uh, in the earlier service that I want you to just go watch it online because I didn't get there. But I needed to set somebody free. Because the moment you are called to a space in darkness, Christians put pressure on you to be a preacher, not a light bearer. Which means I live by the word. And the Bible says the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. John chapter 1 says, and Jesus was the word. And the word brought light. And the light brought life. So people need to see how you live. When my wife and I go places, we want to be a light. We don't want to be the Holy Spirit, whose responsibility it is to teach them the truth. We want to be a light so they can see that God loves them. And anyone you know that loves you, you want to hear what they have to say. The word of God is what God has to say. Why would anybody want to hear what God has to say when they currently feel unloved by God? There's no way. So what we want to do in our church is we want to be a light. Now, God is raising some of you, not all of you, to be a light in the darkness. And I want you to think about all the spaces that are dark right now. It means that God is looking for one of you to go in those spaces. So what happens is he will, and this is a prophecy, he will literally make you go through something so difficult he wants to see if you let any darkness in because you made a, a dark place your personal desire. You're not supposed to make it your personal desire to go into that space. You're supposed to be called to it. And when you're called to it, Jesus goes before, behind, and all around. May your favor surround you like a shield. I'm praying you would be surrounded by favor. But what happens is God lets you go a little while without having it, and you get the desire is so strong and you're praying about it so strong. Whenever you're praying for something that if you don't have it, you're discouraged. You're not praying about it. You're praying to it. It is your God. And so God will let you go without it to see, is there any, do you let any of that darkness get in you? Because I've called you to the darkness to be a light. And the only thing that solves that darkness, that weight of Lord, I don't know if you're doing it. The only thing that solves it is you're reminding yourself of what God has said. And his holy word and what God is saying to you right now in his presence. And when you do that, there's this light that comes on inside of you from the Holy Spirit that no one can shut off. And now God will have you book an audition, not because you nailed the audition, but because the casting director said, oh my God, there's just something about them. I just see something. Now you get the promotion at the job and you're not even that skilled, but someone just said, there's just something about them. Now even though, like me, you know, I was never the GQ dude, but I got a beautiful wife because I had a light. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. This mole been on my nose since I was two. Still got a beautiful wife because she saw something in me. She saw God moving in my life, and we don't want to be seen. We want God to be seen in our lives, and that's why God says to you right now, if you would seek my face and seek clarity from my word, Every other aspect of the clarity you desire will be a blessing, not a curse. Does anybody believe it? Does anybody believe it? If you believe it, clap your hands and shout amen. Stand to your feet and begin to worship God. If you say, God, I don't really know the how, but I know you're moving in my life. I believe it, God. Give God a shout of praise. If you believe it in this place, that God's going to use you to do something awesome, that God's going to use you to shift the city, to shift an industry.
That's why we praise God.